Welcome back to another episode of the On With Shahan podcast. Today, I have a very special guest and friend. He's the co-founder and general partner at Druid Ventures. Chris, thanks so much for joining. Oh, thanks really much for having me, Shahan. It's a real honor. I uh, think the world of you. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So, Chris, we got to know each other a um, few years back in Tampa when I got to know much of the you know Tampa startup ecosystem. I had lunch with you, I think, a few times, and I got to know kind of the venture community as well as the culture there. Um, and it's been really awesome getting to know you over the years. And then now you have this exciting launch of Druid Ventures. For those that don't know you, I would love for them to get a sense of your background and kind of what led you up to now the launch of uh, your new fund, Druid Ventures. Sure, sure. No, I'd be happy to go through it. So uh, I came down to Tampa um, 2012, originally grew up Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and so I went to grad school at USF Center for Entrepreneurship and Applied Technologies. I uh, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I, I, I knew I wanted to be around the startup world. Um, sat in on a couple of meetings, which were super exciting with some early stage tech guys. And I was like, you know, this is really cool. Uh, so from there, when I was in grad school, I, I interned at this place, an accelerator called Tampa Bay Wave, which was the first time I heard about Bitcoin. It was a past hedge fund trader working on a Bitcoin wallet. And I just thought he was kind of uh, a psychopath and <laughs> uh, working on this because it was so above my head, man. Yeah. Like, you know, what was going on? I was still like trying to understand like enterprise SaaS and fintech and healthcare. Right. Um, digging into some really like, tangible things um, with some structure, but I was like, all right, well, we kept in touch. Um, but I started a remote patient monitoring company for congestive heart failure uh, right around the same time the Affordable Care Act came out and it's a health tech thing. And I don't want to get too much in the weeds there, uh, but I was building up relationships with all these different investors around town. And, mm -hmm. you know, Tamp Tampa has had a vibe for a long time of kind of some sharks in the water. In terms of investment dollars, usually right. there was only a couple firms or something. It's like, hey, here's a term sheet, take it or leave it, dude. Hmm. Uh, so I'm so glad it's changed and we'll get there. Um, but essentially, what happened with that with that initiative is that we uh, we got rug pulled by our distribution partner, hmm. and uh, they were being acquired by a different company who didn't want to be in healthcare. Um, so from there, you know, I built up those relationships with some really cool people in town, some good investors. I worked at a family office for three and a half years. I did all the early stage investments. Uh, we had some some fast casual restaurants too, commercial real estate. But I really, really loved the entrepreneurs uh, that were coming in and talking to them. And the way I always I've always looked at things is more from like a coaching perspective. It's like, all right, it's okay to be vulnerable, at least from my perspective. It's like if, if you can identify gaps where you are, because you're early stage, like it's lonely, you need help. Right. Like let's identify those together, and if we can help, like let's roll. And if not, you know, like there's not a dead end here. Let's, let's push you forward. And it's funny. It's like, I, I encountered one other guy working on some, um, working on some crypto stuff. I don't exactly remember what it was, but you know, I started digging down that rabbit hole again and I bought some Bitcoin, some Ethereum, but it's, you never buy enough and you sell too early, especially right. those, right. Um, so not an overnight success story, but what did happen was I started going to Bitcoin meetups you know, you meet Gabe and Rosa at Block Spaces, which have done unbelievable work. Uh, Michael O'Rourke is obviously, you know, how we got in touch um, with Brent Fisher over there too. And, and the work that Pocket Network is just unbelievable. Um, I think they, they found a remarkable place, kind of that middleware RPC to, to displace Infura and, and the whole kind of centralized Amazon web service. I know that I don't have to tell you any of this stuff, but anybody else is <laughs> probably not from listening to your podcast. Um, but but really what's what's going on in Tampa, there's this kind of this renaissance 
um, where these kind of overlooked and underserved markets, um, a lot of people are starting to get attention. A lot of people are moving here because of COVID, honestly, right. you know, accelerated that move because, you know, why live in even California or why live in, uh, you know, Canada, why live in New York when you can live in a beautiful place like Florida, uh, especially Tampa, and then, you know, a tax adv advantageous place. That's why Puerto Rico, Lisbon, Texas, Florida, we're all getting it, um, which is great. Um, but, but after that family office to come back on the story, I, I went, and as I mentioned, I love working with early stage entrepreneurs, Jeff Vinnick, the owner of the lightning, shout out Jeff and the lightning, um, was, uh, creating Embark Collective, which is this early stage tech hub in town run by Lakshmi Shinoy and a wonderful team. Um, and I was brought in to run the coaching program to stand up the coaching program. So I coach coaches how to coach, uh, and I coach startups directly. Um, and the big split was really, I coached 21 of them split was between kind of those, those verticals or industries I mentioned before with healthcare, fintech, enterprise right. SaaS, and the others were the Bitcoin blockchain um, people up and coming. And so, um, you know, I didn't plan on leaving. I loved what I was doing. I think it's so great. And we can talk deeper about if, if any, you know, founders are trying to raise money on here, thinking about how to, uh, or planning about their, planning their business being foundationally scalable, we can do that. But I didn't plan on leaving. I did want to get on the investment side of the table again, one day, um, I went to go and work for this group called SCP and Co. Um, a great, great, well-known group in town. Health tech, uh, commercial real estate. We did we uh, uh, IPO'd a $230 million digital health spec last year. Um, you know, we were right in the thick of things. The market's not helpful right now, um, but we'll, we'll find a good deal. We're in the process with a few companies. But what came from it is, you know, I'm, I'm building relationships with like Union Square Advisors and Greylocks of the world. And when we're on Zoom, you know, their profile pictures are board apes and crypto funds, <laughs> right? So we go down the rabbit hole, we start talking about other funds, you know, even like just now Bain Capital, right? right. Ventures, 560 million. And, and you see these typically kind of later stage investors coming downstream and allocating huge portions to this. And so, you know, Michael and I were golfing one day um, and we were just talking, it's like, look, you know, Pocket's doing great. Blockspace is doing great. There's a lot of buzz. Let's stand up a flagship fund in town um, focused yeah. on the, you know, the early stage deals. And what became 2 million became 3 million and 5 and 7, 10, 12. And now I think, you know, we close at the end of this month. I think we'll probably be right around 13 million, um, mm -hmm. which is really cool to all to support um, early stage Web3 entrepreneurs, um, more so focused on the picks and shovel space. Um, we invest in both tokens, equity, combination thereof. Checks range from 50 to, uh, let's call it a million. Um, we can flex up a little bit after that. But really, we want to be the most helpful um, group there is. We're not coming in. And, you know, if, if you're not a fit, we'll be a quick no. Obviously, you know, raising capital is super draining and time consuming and distracted right. um, running a business. So, um, yeah, with that, we're super excited. We've done three deals so far. Um, mm -hmm. We've invested in block spaces. We've invested in Pocket Network, and we invested in a company called Stake Wallet, um, which is kind of centralizing a way to stake your your L1 tokens and generate yield without having to have the full amount to run a node. So mm -hmm. fractional staking on one centralized app, which is pretty cool. Good user interface. Yeah, I mean, what you described. I mean, you hit on so many good points there. I think the first thing you know that really resonated with what you said is. You know, this Druid Ventures, I feel like all the ways that you did it and all the ways that you built it up, you built up such a good ecosystem in Tampa where you were both on kind of more of the traditional lines of business and you had your 
um, you know, your pulse on what was going on in the crypto community. And especially when I met you around like 2017, yeah. that was really when we saw really irresponsible things from the crypto community in terms of launching ICOs of like really garbage projects that really didn't think stuff out that didn't have a revenue stream or how they were going to go about getting to mass adoption. And um, I think your experience of like staying in both of those camps allowed you to get to this point where you have this crazy community in Tampa that is out now all really working together where you see different founders of both crypto and non-crypto. You see like, I even saw the Tampa mayor at the Synapse Summit and she was so supportive of all the stuff that was going on in Tampa as well. And it's just a very unique thing that's going on there. So if you're an entrepreneur, I recommend that you follow the work that Druid is doing because they are very entrepreneurial first. Um, they look at their founders and they try to fill the gaps and there's not really any ego involved. It's about getting the work done and helping those founders get to the next phase. That, that's a hundred percent right. And I love you said that. And, and starting from the beginning there, like the Tampa stuff, you know, Kathy Wood coming down, we have so many different headquarters moving here. There's so much talent uh, moving down. And what's happening is you see it across the industry. There's the biggest fight for talents, like, you know, leaving Wall Street or leaving these huge corporations to come work earlier stage. Uh, at these startup companies, whether it's venture or venture backed, doesn't matter. Um, but another thing I want to touch on, it's about the ego stuff. So what really separates Druid too from other traditional institutional investors, uh, venture groups is that we wanted to democratize access to a venture vehicle like this to people that typically didn't have access before. Because, um, mm -hmm. you know, there's a huge moat or huge wall installed by insiders. And we want to do is really be able to curate this cap table and, and put people on that are builders, investors, uh, different type of, whether it's like tokenomics experts, um, you name it. So like we have the CEO of Voyager Digital, um, who's an investor, helps us look at deals, who also has a corporate venture arm because they want to, they basically want to see our deals if they can help their customers, because why not? You know, they, they need help too. The space moves so fast. Right. Um, you know, we have a whole bunch of pocket people, a whole bunch of play to earn, proof of play folks. We have the majority of investors of uh, Brave Browser and, and ZebPay. Um, got some OTC folks, people that worked at Alchemy, um, Charlie Schrem's been great, Scott Melker's been great, um, you know, a couple NFL guys, uh, NBA, NASCAR, and then a whole bunch of VC and private equity folks, individuals that are genuinely curious and want to understand more. Because to me, that that's a huge piece of this is the educational component. Right. To your point, with 2017, people saw ICOs and, and thought, well, of course they're scams. <laughs> their, their pyramid schemes are 1,000x overnight, 10,000x overnight, and it's a huge cash grab. Um, and I'm glad there was some you know regulation as part of that. And we're seeing more regulation now, which will be good because any yep. clarity is good and helpful for the, for the, for the health of the community. Um, but there's always going to be scammers in any nascent technology, right? It's, it's up to us to do our homework, look at the community, look at the founders, run your checks, do your research. Um, and then from there, really, you know, if this does work, what could happen? Um, and to your point, though, kind of running business, shooting from the hips there, like you got to look at what's the exit play. Is it to become a DAO, fully functioning DAO? Is it to sell to a larger enterprise? I don't know. Is it to combine with another token? But those are things that you have to keep in your head when you want to be kind of really, you know, have great hygiene on your business and make sure that you're, you're skating. Uh, well, at least you have that North star goal and, and we're happy to help with that. Honestly. I mean, it's, it's so much building a business. As I said before, how lonely it could be. And yeah. you know, especially those that have families and it's like, you know, really for richer or for poorer, you know, till death do us part. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't want you to feel that way. You know, we're here to help. 
Yeah. And that's so important. And as a founder, you know, I advise different founders as well. And the ones that I feel like get the most out of an advisor relationship or an investor relationship is creating a genuine relationship where you can open up and not feel on that island that you are. So long as you know that that investor is out for your best interest, which you guys do so well, I think there needs to be that bridge between them. And it's somebody outside of the, maybe their organization that they can talk to, they can trust. What are some of the areas that you guys are focusing on? So there, you mentioned like Bain, there's you know many different crypto funds that have launched over the last few years. Um, there is obviously a great connection to Tampa and the Florida area. Um, you're also connected to many other areas, but what is going to be the focus? What are some of the things that you're looking to invest in? Yeah, great question. So, you know, while while we're based in Tampa Bay and we, we'd love for all of our investments to go there, it just, it doesn't make sense at this juncture yet, we'll get there. Um, but our goal is if we do invest outside the area, we do try our best to, you know, basically recruit um, entrepreneurs or teams here, right? I mean, we talk to teams in there in 13 different countries. Um, you know, scattered around, which is great, you know, for globalization and you get right. different ideas, viewpoints and everything like that. So, you know, in and of itself, crypto is decentralized, entrepreneurs are decentralized, but hey, Tampa Bay is a great place to live. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but we, we really, we're really looking for kind of those, I mentioned picks and shovels, but the infrastructure um, types of companies and protocols, and it's really twofold, right? It's, it's to empower developers to really build, you know, better and more foundationally scalable products, which the second point comes in, it's really increase and accelerate the accessibility for non-technical users to, um, to be able to participate in this Web3 ecosystem, right? So, so what does that look like? It could be a, the L1 protocols, I mean, or middleware too, like Pockets, its own native token, and they have their own unique um, protocol there. So yes, like that checks the box, Tampa Bay box. Block space is interesting, right? Because they have a managed node infrastructure arm, which right. has been great bird in hand. But they also have this really unique productized enterprise software, you know, that they want to help corporations plug and play blockchain. And you know, we have a lot of a lot of connections in Fortune 500 companies that, you know, for traditional business models, we can really help with that. Uh, state wallets interesting too, right? Because they kind of um, amalgamate different tokens all together, where you can just have one stop shop for all your basically staking needs. Um, outside of that, I think NFT infrastructure is really cool. Um, obviously, we all see these these right-click save ads going on right now, right? Mm -hmm. um, but but the underlying the underlying technology and how primitive it is now to really be able to um, you know be able to transfer assets and have the provenance. So who created it? What was the origin? Um, and to be able to transcribe in a smart contract, it's hey, whoever created this, we can we can you know basically in perpetuity ensure that they get some piece of this if it's art if it's this if it's that but you could do nfts with any hard asset right a title of a home title of a car um and there's a lot of pieces even in healthcare right you look at your your patient health records your personal health records why couldn't i tokenize part of this or have it as an nft tokenized part of it for different physicians to look at at the end of the day like i should have my own patient records they should be mine um right. there could be a fight blah 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 but um, outside of that, you know, we're looking at DAO infrastructure too. We think DAOs are super interesting and there's a lot of different mechanisms to make them better, the governance more efficient uh, and more effective, right? Like Constitution DAO, it was, it was published that they were up to, I forgot what it was, it was like 50 million, right? Mm -hmm. And then the highest bidder at, at uh, uh, basically saw that number and was like, yeah, I'm just going to take a little bit higher and, and go ahead and screw these guys. Um, but there are really interesting ways to make sure that a few bad actors can't hijack it, you know, from the only ones that can vote. If there 
are really good voting mechanisms um, and kind of the, the ease to getting to a DAO, I think is interesting too, right? We saw with Eric Voorhees and Shapeshift, but no real playbook yet. It's super, super convoluted. But so if we, if we can invest in different protocols to make things easier, that'd be great. Um, we're also looking at like different rating mechanisms, right? To actually rate different tokens or rate, mm. um, rate different protocols, especially that, whether they're L2, um, you name them to basically say, Hey, are these acting in good faith? Um, you know, how do they stack up with our competitors? I think Cosmos, the IBC is a good, a good, uh, example of this where they have their own kind of, um, you know, inner blockchain communication stuff outside of that, man, there's a lot of stuff in terms of, I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily say metaverse. I think, um, because the, we're looking at the engines that can create this as opposed to actually building within them. Um, right. But but really, we're seeing new things every day. And I think we, I don't know if we mentioned it before, but it's, or maybe it's on a different call, but really to be an expert in this space, there is none. Um, but you need to have great people around. And that's something I want to harp on. It's all about the people. You know, like there's new technologies every day, but it's how you get to how you get to these and how you get them fostered are through relationships. Yep. That's why I'm so happy, you know, like you're an investor, Shahan, and having you and having this um, kind of this network you're, you've curated over these years, it, it, it's something I would never have, right? And, and I have a network you don't have. So let's share that and one plus one equals three. Yeah, I, th I think that's spot on. And well, like what you said about people not being an expert, I think like what is so great is if you have a community of people that are really smart around you, as the new things come out, you can do this brain chair and kind of mastermind between these groups to then look at this new set of problems or new, look at these new set of solutions that could be a great fit and then take this to the next phase with this group. Like for example, Brent Fisher got me into Pocket Network and involved with that team as an advisor. I really didn't understand what pocket was for like six months into it. And it was because there's other people who were smarter than me who knew these things earlier than I did and recognize these problems and these needs for a decentralized infrastructure. I was able to kind of be dragged along until I figured it out. And then I could bring my skills and my network to that next phase of the pocket growth. If that makes sense. It really does. And, and I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's favoring, fortune favors the bold and younger generations are always more bold. But I think we're also more, more vulnerable to admit we don't know something. Mm. You know, I think a big adoption curve uh, or a barrier here is that kind of, there's been a lot of really successful business people or people that really won't give this time of day um, that think it's all a scam because they just won't look under the hood. They won't check it out because they see, oh, crypto bros making money. Hmm. And it's really, no, like this is going to be around for a long time. Like the, the alpha generated here because it's early stage of the internet. And I, and I think, I know people say that, but it's also like the internet on steroids because we have so much information in our pockets already from the internet, right? It's like internet to the 10th power here um, and the way it's adopted. Like, here's an example. One of our LPs is uh, the minority owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the son there, Zach Dynan, is a really smart dude. And I mentioned him on Charlie Shrem's podcast I was on mm -hmm. yesterday. It's like what all of his friends are doing. Um, you know, he's a Harvard Business School. He went to Harvard undergrad. He just came runner up on the blockchain, but to become the president of the Blockchain Association there. But they're all focused on this technology. They love it. They see it's real. They don't care about the price movement. Sure, it's mm -hmm. great to make money, but it's like, no, they want to get jobs either at high growth crypto companies or at the, the crypto VCs because they know that this is the future. There's going to be winners. There's going to be losers, but 
there's a big focus on that infrastructure there too, because they see this as, all right, wh where do you actually withstand storms? You know, how do you, how do you push through the bear markets? And typically it's in the infrastructure place right. that make it better. It's not going to be a shiny app. It'll be that, but at the end of the day, long, long winded way of saying the younger people appear to be more, more vulnerable and to start from zero on something and ask questions. And, and I think that's so important. So if you're out there and you're listening and it's, I don't know where to get started. Just talk to some people in there because we are such a welcoming community. Yeah. Um, there are no dumb questions, right? Maybe, maybe I'm the Bitcoin maximalist to some extent. I don't want to <laughs> anybody there, right? But um, yeah. typically, if you ask, if you ask, like, how do I get involved? There's there'll be ten different people that will run to you and say, "Oh, come over here, come over here, join this Discord, Telegram, talk to me." It's great. So, from a process perspective, as you look at various deal flow that's coming towards you. And I know it's very early now and it'll be tweaked over time, but what's the general process timeline um, and kind of like SLAs you have internally for how you want to get to investments? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, it's funny in this space, like everybody wants to be closing, close, close, we need to close now. Um, and we, and we try to do our best to abide by that and accommodate, like we're not lead investors. We're too small. Um, so we're always there as a sidecar and obviously the cap table we can bring together. Um, but we try to turn things around a couple of weeks if needed. Um, some deals take a little bit longer. Some deals we're seeing are pre-product, pre-revenue, pre-anything. And they think that they're worth 50 to hundred million dollars because they see other companies out there. And at the end of the day, like we, we can't accommodate that if they can raise that capital, it's great for them. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, we, we got to look at the founders. We got to look at the team. We have to do our own reference checks on them. Like, you know, again, it goes back to the community who knows this person. Typically there's somebody that it's either they're building with one of the companies that are cap table or they know them through the weeds, you know, crypto is a pretty uh, intimate community. Right. Yeah. Um, and how big could this be? What if this does work? You know, where, where can they be disintermediated or where could they disintermediate players? Um, if they have a product, use it. You know, check it out. See how right. funky it is. And a lot of the times, if you do have a product and you are raising at a, at a reasonable valuation, and we can see where it fits, like that—that's a huge win, right? For the venture people, it's—it's it's great to have a deck and stuff. But if you have a product, that's—that's that's way farther along. Um, if they have any customers, you see any people they're working with, you know, talk to them. Um, think about the traction. Where are they going? I mean, and a big part of this is the community. Um, because in crypto, right, it doesn't necessarily be like business, business or business, you know, B2C stuff. It could be, how's the community accepting this or how, how excited are they? Make sure that the communities aren't bots, um, right. <laughs> make sure people are genuinely excited, um, and think about, you know, obviously return stuff, but if you can get comfortable with really the team community, if this could work and is this, a, is this an appropriate amount of funding? Um, and what are they going to accomplish with this funding? here in this space, if they're looking to raise a token, that could be all the funding they need from a private side. And what are those terms? What does the lockup look like? We try to get all through in two to three weeks with all this stuff. I think one of the things that people don't talk about enough is like the relationship between, we, talk, we touched on it a little bit between the investor and the founder and the startup team. Do you have some like best practices or things you can share or things that have happened in the past where that relationship has shown like harmony and you're working together towards a, you know, common goal. Are there ways advice you have for founders of startups that are looking to have a very productive relationship with their VC or their investor? Yeah, I'd say, so, you know, you talk about investors doing diligence on companies, right? It's a two-way street. Um, everybody listening that's raising money or thinking about it, you know, start talking to some portfolio companies. 
Um, you know, if you want to ask the investor, I think that's a great way to go. Ask them if, if they wouldn't mind putting you in touch. If they don't, I think it shows some, some uh, yellow, red flags there, some orange flags. Um, but if they do, then that's great. Um, but also keep in mind who they, who they cherry pick. Could be something there, but, you know, use your gut too. talk to them. It's, you know, how fast does this get, you know, what, what, what type of process do you run? What size checks do you write? You know, how far are you along in this fund? Because funds have basically like, you know, they have a, they have a vintage year when they launch and they may be able, they may only be able to put their capital to work for a three years, four years, whatever it may be, but make sure you're not the last check in from that fund um, necessarily. Mm. It's not necessarily that thing, but because they, they won't be able to invest in you in that same fund, not necessarily a problem, but something to be conscious about when you go forward um, and make sure you like them. I mean, life's too short not to work with, mm. to, to work with people you don't like in all honesty, because once you bring in that capital, you're married, you can't get rid of them, perhaps a recap that they have to agree to make sure you like them, make sure that you actually get along and they can add some value. And I know the value stuff is, is over, is overused, but I, I mean it like, you know, use your gut, talk to them, talk to the people they've invested in and, and see if it's a fit. Yeah, that's great. For some finishing thoughts, Chris, um, number one, how do we follow you? And then if you had any final thoughts in terms of anything else you want to share about Druid or, you know, how you're going to roll things out this year. Um, and I really appreciate you coming on. I'm so excited about being an investor for Druid. I'm just pumped at what's going to happen this year. I think there's just so much excitement and all of us are just so aligned on like working together. And like I said, there's no ego amongst this group of people. We're just trying to make things happen and do things the right way. No, a hundred percent. Right. Um, you know, nobody knows which way the market's going to go, but we're in a great position um, to really help entrepreneurs if there is a bear market, right? When the public, when the public funds on, there's private funds, and we want to be there to really help. Um, you know, we're, we're closing at the end of the month. I'm really excited about that. We'll still do deals now. Like I said, we've done a few. Um, but again, like Shahan's a great example. You're a great example of the type of people we bring in. Um, and look, you know, if, if, even if you're not, a, even if you're not a partner of Druid or an investor in Druid, let's put it that way. Like, let's talk, you know, there's still ways that we can share deals and talk to each other. And, you know, there's ways that we could reward you, bonus you for time. You may see things differently than us. Um, we don't want to ever be a closed end or, you know, a, a dead end of a street. Like we, we know people, we can put you in touch. If you're, if you're an individual looking for a job in the space, you know, we have obviously portfolio companies, but you know, our, our, the rest of our investors have companies they're building. Like, please reach out to us. Um, we're going to be in Bitcoin, uh, Miami, 2022, um, six through eighth. Yes. Yeah, so I'll be down in your neck of the woods, Sean, for a little you bit. You have to come by the new office and check it oh, out. I, I absolutely <laughs> will until you get your place here and move full time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll be there. Um, you know, like I said, we close at the end of the month. There'll be some good PR coming out then. Um, but really, you know, if you want to follow us, it's nothing great yet. My personal one is at Pizzolutions, P-I-Z-Z-O. L-U-T-I-O-N-S. And our Twitter is just getting going at Drew Adventures. Um, but yeah, there'll be a lot more coming out. We've just been kind of, I don't want to say, we've been like quasi stealth, uh, but we'll, we'll make a splash soon. Awesome. Chris Pizzo, make sure to follow him. Make sure to follow Drew Adventures. Chris, thanks so much for joining. Sean, thanks for having me, man. Real pleasure. All right. See ya.